In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Today we see in the Gospel our Lord performing an exorcism, casting demons out. And we could learn so much from this scripture, from this gospel today. It's packed with many lessons. Number one, we see that Satan is real, that the fallen demons are real, and they exist. And this is a problem today because many people today are denying his existence. And then there's some that are not only accepting his existence, but they bow down and worship him. It's becoming a big problem in this country and throughout the world. People who worship Satan. We see that Satan appears as the adversary of Christ, the prince of this world, the strong man armed to the teeth who guards his castle and rules the world. And so we see that Christ comes. And when he comes, he comes to establish the kingdom of his Father in heaven. He comes to crush the head of the evil one. He comes to save mankind and put an end to the kingdom of Satan. Let us be careful, my friends. Let us not be foolish and understand the power of Satan. Even though Christ broke his power, he is still very active and greatly daring. He is still the prince of this world. There's two extremes, once again, those that deny him, and then there's those that believe in him, even faithful, and they say, well, you know, I don't want to get caught up with that, always focusing on the devil. We're not supposed to focus on him, but we have to acknowledge that he is still active in this world, and we have to combat him. Never since the incarnation has his kingdom been so well organized. Never since then have his followers been so faithful and ruthlessly determined to destroy Christ's church and his faithful. This is so true. As time goes on, we're entering deeper and deeper. We're coming closer to the end times. And Satan is more active than ever. Why? Because he knows he's running out of time. And he wants your soul. He wants your children. In hell with him forever. He's filled with envy. All the fallen demons hate human beings. Why? Because we can possess what he has lost forever. He has lost God. He was the greatest angel. And it's so humiliating for him to see human beings like yourself. Who are being faithful to God. Who are children of God. That will obtain heaven because the angel's nature is way superior to ours. And so he hates us. And so his activity is increasing daily more and more and more. And the saints tell us this will happen. The closer we get to the end time, the more he turns up the heat, the more he comes after you as a roaring lion looking to devour you. St. Peter tells us, put on the armor of God. So once again, never before have we witnessed the clash of the kingdom of Christ and Satan. St. Augustine, St. Ignatius, all the great saints tell of the two kingdoms. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. There's nothing in between. Our Lord said today, if you are not for me, you are against me. 
We could also say, if you are against his church, you are against him. There is only one church. There's no salvation outside that church. So we see many signs today of this increasing activity of Satan amongst us. We see a rise in the occult. When people turn away from God and they abandon their faith, they turn to superstitions. They turn to the occult. All you have to do is put on the TV. Every other, you'll see commercials called this psychic, that psychic. Palm reading, tea leaf reading, tarot cards. It's all on the rise. This is very serious. In our country, they let prisoners worship Satan in prison. In our armed forces, they recognize it also as a religion, Satanism. The devil wants your little ones. God is giving you those little children to raise up to be saints. You are responsible for them. How many parents are letting their children dabble in Harry Potter, Pokemon? These things are from hell, my friends. More and more I deal with it when you have to go help people and you find these things in the house and they wonder why they're having problems. Harry Potter has real curses. Pokemon is even worse than Harry Potter because it takes all the occult teachings, it takes all the Eastern religions, puts it all together, and what do you have? Hell. I just helped a young man the other day, a young man, he's, not, what, 10 years old? And when I started questioning him and the mother, I said, do you have Pokemon at home? And all of a sudden, the kid had to give it up. This kid cried for two hours, the mother said. What a hold Satan has on these children with these demonic things. He cried for two hours. The kid couldn't talk. I was talking with him. He just cried like a baby. He was so entrenched in his Pokemon. It had such a grip on him. But the kid had a good heart. And he went home and he told his mother, no. Father said it's no good. I want to throw it in the garbage. I want to get rid of it. And he did. And she said she saw an immediate change in his behavior. She called me. She can't believe the difference in him already. And you know what he's concerned about? He's concerned about all his friends that are dabbling in Pokemon. Because he's got a good heart. He's a good soldier of Christ. And once he was enlightened, he had zeal to go out there and stop others. Do we have that zeal, my friends? Are we afraid to speak up to your friends and tell them, don't let your children play with that. They're going to go to hell. Wake up. This is serious stuff. We're running out of time. If he could grab your child, the younger he grabs them, the better chance he has them to get him for eternity. This is serious. Don't take this light. We see today, abortion is on the rise. Cloning, everything against God's laws. Stem cell research, they're killing babies left and right. I was at the abortion clinic yesterday. Where were you? I didn't see hardly anyone there. You people better wake up. Your brothers and sisters are being slaughtered in their mother's womb. And we are sitting back doing nothing. Our leaders are doing nothing. None of us are doing enough, starting with myself. we got to wake up.
We're called to fight Satan. We are called to be in Christ's army. We are soldiers of Christ. We are in a war, my friends. So don't just come here on Sunday and say, oh, well, we got the nice mass and we get this. No, you're supposed to go out into the world and evangelize. You're supposed to be in Christ to the world. You're supposed to combat evil. This is important. Examine your conscience. You should have been there yesterday. We should have thousands of people at that slaughter mill over there where they're killing, murdering babies in their mother's womb. I don't hear. I don't see enough. We see euthanasia on the rise. Of course, if you're going to kill innocent babies in their mother's womb, why not adults who can harm you, cause you problems? All these things are on the right. This is Satan, my friends. His activity is increasing. We have no respect for life whatsoever. We see a great falling away from the faith. Many people are leaving the church, going to these false churches, Protestant churches, and so forth. You can't get to heaven in those churches. Satan is on the rise. We see this country is such a disgrace. A decadent country that promotes unnatural vices, trying to change the definition of family, same-sex marriages, and so forth. It's a disgrace. We see our country, our leaders leading us down the road to communism, socialism. Our Lady of Fatima warned us. Russia will spread her errors throughout the world. It's here in our country. America, land of the free. We can't say that no more. The government keeps on taking control more and more and more. What are we doing? We see just this week in Connecticut, a couple of weeks ago, look what happened. I'm going to read it to you right from the news. In Hartford, Connecticut, March 9th, it says the Connecticut Judiciary Committee Thursday proposed a bill stripping Roman Catholic bishops of their authority. Do you hear me? A bill... Stripping Roman Catholic bishops of their authority to govern fiscal and administrative diocesan affairs. An unprecedented attempt to regulate the Catholic Church that critics are calling payback for the church efforts to prevent the legalization of same-sex marriage in the state. The explicit intent... Uh, Bill number 1098 is to revise the corporate governance provisions applicable to the Roman Catholic Church and to provide for the investigation of the misappropriation of funds by religious corporations. Referring specifically to structures of the Roman Catholic Church, the bill states, the corporation shall have a board of directors consistent of not less than seven nor more than 13 lay members. The archbishop or bishop of the diocese or his designee shall serve as an ex officio member of the board of directors without the right to vote. Without the right to vote. According to the bill, members of the board are to be elected from among the congregation and the authority of the bishop and pastor limited to matters pertaining exclusively to religious tenets and practices. You hear what I just read? This is America trying to take over the church now. This is communism, socialism. They tested the waters, my friend. 
They're not done with us. They just started. Are you ready for this? Are you ready? What do you think happened in Russia when the communists took over? They took over the churches. What do you think happened in China when the communists took over? They took over the church. We have the Communist Patriotic Church of China. They are not only schismatics, they are heretics. They believe in abortion. They don't believe in the primacy of Peter. The true church in China is underground. And they're being tortured every day. Our brothers are being slaughtered over there. They burn underground churches down every year. And they martyr priests and lay people like yourself if they're caught at the mass. Guess what? It's coming here to a town near you. And you know what? God will use this to make us get on our knees and become really Catholic again. Because the church only prospers in persecution. You go on the Cardinal Kung Foundation website. Read those stories of those martyrs, those living martyrs. If it doesn't bring tears to your eyes, shame on you. You don't have a heart. When you read their stories, how much they suffer, what they would do to be at a mass that they could worship God freely like you people are right now. But we're going to be there soon just like them. They're going to take your freedom away. You better be conformed to Christ and his cross. We see the tax on the church increased daily. Pope Leo XIII in Encyclical on the Rosary tells us that as the church goes forward in time, the persecutions increase daily. Increase. And so, look what they're doing to our Pope, Pope Benedict XVI. I hope you're praying for him. I hope you're offering up your penance for him. Here he is doing what he's supposed to do as a vicar of Christ and trying to bring unity to the church. And the very people always crying about love and everything else. What are they doing? They reject his words. They're persecuting him. And he came out with a letter to the bishops just a week ago, this past week. And he put them in their place. I want to read one part of it. Pope Benedict says, In our days, when in vast areas of the world, the faith is in danger of dying out. You hear what he said? The faith is in danger of dying out, like a flame which no longer has fuel. The overriding priority is to make God present in this world and to show men and women the way to God. Not just any God, but the God who spoke on Sinai, to the God whose face we recognize in a love which presses to the end. In Jesus Christ crucified and risen, the real problem at this moment of our history is that God is disappearing from the human horizon. And with the dimming of the light which comes from God, humanity is losing its bearings with increasingly evident destructive effects. Oh, that's pretty scary coming from the vicar of Christ. He's saying, he's warning us that Christianity is dwindling, it's dying out. Islam is ready to take over Europe now. And they're saying they don't even have to do it by force. They just simply keep on having children while Catholics are contracepting themselves out of existence. We're in bad shape, my friends. We're in bad shape. The Pope is trying to unite the society of Pius X. 
And how many of his leaders, he even said he's talking to his bishops. They are fighting against him. They don't want them reconciled. Shame on them. The Pope is calling everyone to unity. Who's in true union? Tell me. If they don't want to unite with the Pope, if they're going to oppose him, they better examine their conscience. And I hope no one here has that same opinion, that we don't want them reconciled. We want not only them reconciled, we want the Orthodox reconciled, all the 70,000 Protestant denominations, the Jews that need to be baptized to save their soul, they can't get into heaven. We should want them all baptized too. And in true charity, we should speak this. What is going on? We need a wake-up call. And so what we're experiencing in this country may be a blessing in disguise. The economy is crashing. And God will use that to bring us to our knees once again. We cannot lose sight of the struggle that is going on. For us, it is Christ or Satan. There is no other choice. Make your choice now. Christ or Satan. No neutrality, no compromise is possible, even thinkable. We have to give ourselves totally to Christ and his church. We see the devil, some of his methods. How does he work? St. Ignatius of Loyola tells us that the methods used by Satan to enroll souls under his banner... Our number one is he tempts them to riches, okay? Number two, to honors, power, in order to lead them to pride, and from which follows all other vices and sin. So the saints, this is scriptural, the devil comes, riches, honors, power, pride. But what does Christ do? On the other hand, he recommends poverty of spirit, first of all, to be detached from all things. So that we could be attached to him. Number two is real poverty. So when we have the spirit of poverty, eventually real, true poverty. And then number three, humility. Okay, humility. These are the exact opposite of what Satan's using to take people down. St. Thomas Aquinas talks about the action that the devils, the fallen demons have on men. And man, we have to know these. We have nothing to fear. If we're walking with God... Greater is he who's in me than who's in the world. God is for me. Who could be against me? But we have to know how he operates. So St. Thomas Aquinas talks about a particular incident in the Gospels that show us how much damage can be done to us by the demons. And he talks about the demoniac that was in chains. He was so vicious that people couldn't even go near him. And our Lord came and delivered him. And the demons begged. Let us go into the swine. And our Lord permitted it. He let them go into the swine. They all went off the cliff. Christ permitted the devil to enter into the swine, as St. John Christendom says, not because he was persuaded to permit it by the demons themselves, but, number one, to teach us the magnitude of the harm they can cause us by keeping us in chains, in bondage. Number two, that all may know that the devils, the demons, will not dare to do anything without the consent of God. They can't do nothing unless God permits it. And number three, to show us that the devil would have done more harm to men than to the swine if divine providence had not come to the help of the former. So God will only let the devil go so far. 
He'll only let him tempt us so far. And they can't do nothing without God permitting. So if God permits the devil to come and tempt us, it's because he wants to test us and strengthen us. And when we say no to the devil, we grow in the opposite virtue. If he's tempting you with impurity and you say no, you grow in the virtue of chastity. If he's tempting you to anger and you say no and you reject that temptation, you're going to grow in the virtue of meekness. The devil hates that. So these trials can become a means of sanctification. They purify us. They purify us of our sins. And God allows them to bring about divine justice so that we too can make reparation once again. So St. Thomas goes on to tell us that the devil incites man to sin. This he can do only with God's permission once again. But he is not commanded to do it by God. God doesn't command him to do it. But he permits him. He merely permits the diabolical activity according to his just judgment. At time, God makes use of the devil to chastise man. But on these occasions, the devil acts with a very different intention from that of God because they punish man with hatred and envy while God merely seeks the end of his divine justice. The devil is not the direct cause of man's sin. Too many people say, the devil made me do it. It's nonsense. Man's will is the direct cause. The devil merely proposes or tries to persuade. He can do no more than that. And that's why when you get these evil thoughts, you've got to reject them instantly. Don't play with them in your mind. Flee the occasions of sin immediately. If you know you're tempted in an area, don't remain there. Flee. And you will not fall. If you put yourself voluntary in an occasion of sin, you will fall. St. Thomas goes on, he says, The devil induces us to sin through our imagination and the sensitive appetites, thus tending to obscure the working of the intellect, because our intellect informs our will. And so be careful. And that's why in Lent the church constantly pushing us to mortify our senses, to pray, to fast, to do mortifications, act of charity, to overcome our pride. And these things will help us conquer the devil. And so we see at the end of the gospel that the devil, once he is defeated, he returns to the attack. When the man is cleansed in the confessional, when you sin, you're cleansed. The devil will come back. He wants you in hell. He'll never give up trying to tempt you. Never. St. Bede says frequently... When we make an effort to return to God after having sinned, our old enemy spreads new snares for us and attacks us furiously. This he does either to make us hate virtue or to revenge himself for having been defeated. So a lot of times when you have a conversion, this soul's here just coming back to God. Don't give in. The devil's going to bombard you maybe. But God wants you to prove your love for him. Every time you said no to God and yes to Satan, God will give you an opportunity now to say no to the evil one. And some people are sitting here saying, don't tell me that, Father, because I did that a million times. And I tell you, well, that's good. Just like Peter denied God three times, he gave him three chances to amend that by proving his love. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? 
He says the same thing to each and every one of us. Do not get discouraged. Remember, he won't let you be tempted beyond what you can take. But you have to call on him in temptation. Too many people I see that are struggling with vice and they're having a hard time. They start to think they have no power, that they can't overcome this vice. That's a lie from hell. That's the devil getting in your head. You can overcome it. Have trust in God in his infinite mercy and his love. He doesn't want you to sin more than you don't want to sin. But he's going to test you. He knows exactly what you need. And he will strengthen you. St. Ambrose tells us that the devil fears to insist in his attacks so as not to give room for continual triumphs. So as time goes on, when you strengthen yourself in the spiritual life, believe me, the temptations will get less and less because he doesn't want you to constantly have these triumphs over him either. So this Lent, the church constantly puts before us to get in the confessional. It's your Easter obligation. Confess your sins. Receive the Eucharist. Because we need good confessions. In the confessional, you're not only forgiven of your sins, but God gives you the grace and the strength to overcome those sins. And even all of us are sinners. The just man sins seven times a day. If you're struggling with venial sins, God wants you to have a deep hatred for them. Don't become lax and say, well, it's only a slight offense against God. No, we have to have a hatred. We have to uproot that and strive for perfection. And I could go on and on, but the main means to overcome Satan is to be faithful to Christ, his commandments, to the precepts of the church, to receive the sacraments in the state of grace, receive the Eucharist every day, every day. Father John Harden, who I believe was a saint, he used to tell the people, you cannot survive if you don't receive the Eucharist every day. He says marriages will not survive without receiving the Eucharist every day. I believe it because there's so much evil in the world that we need our Lord. And so when we receive the Eucharist, you receive not only grace, but the author of grace. Cling to the mother of God, the Blessed Virgin, because he despises her. Because it's her and her seed that crushes his head. Those that are consecrated to the Immaculate are part of her militia, her army. And he will attack us even more because we are in her army. But we have her to defend us. Don't count on your own strength. Count on the mother of God. When you just call upon her name, all hell trembles. So we don't have to fear the devil if we're walking with God. St. Peel tells us that the devil's like a wild German shepherd, a vicious attack dog. But he's on a chain. And he could only go so far. That chain may be 20 feet long, right? He can only go on a radius of 20 feet. Don't put yourself within that circle. You'll be fine. Don't put yourself in occasions of sin. Let us pray to the Virgin that as we go to Calvary, she will grant us the graces to always remain faithful to Christ, his church, that we always cling to her, and that we too will enjoy the beatific vision one day, and that God will reward us for being good soldiers, for spreading his word, for laying down our lives for our brothers. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.